Welcome to Cyanotopia, a podcast celebrating cyanotype and the artists who use cyanotype in their art making. Each episode features a long-form interview with an artist who uses cyanotype in their art making. The artists talk about what they make, why they make it, and how they make their work. My name is Marilyn Krasner, and I make each episode of this podcast. I wanted to make a podcast about cyanotype because I have been having an intense love affair with cyanotype, and I think it's natural when love is still fresh to want to talk about it a lot. My mom died unexpectedly in April 2021. If you've been through a big grief, you might understand my need for distraction, and I am very grateful that I discovered cyanotype a month or so after my mom died. Cyanotype has been my companion during this time, a lifesaver for me, a brain saver, a joy maker. I'm also a mom and I love that I can show my kids that art doesn't have to be stay within the lines perfect. It is beautiful even when it's uncontrolled, messy, and water gets everywhere. And this podcast is my way of honoring cyanotype and a gift to the cyanotype community and the creative community all over the world. Even if you're not using cyanotype, I think the interviews will resonate because the artists I speak to in these episodes are so interesting. If you want to support the artists you hear on this podcast, please refer to the show notes and find out how to buy their art. I've listed their websites and social media information, along with a list of links to artists, books, and websites that they mentioned during their interviews. You can find the show notes for each episode in your podcast app or on my website, www.marilynkrasner.com. That's M-A-R-O-L-Y-N-K-R-A-S-N-E-R.com. And please keep making your art. The world needs your art. And it's okay to make art even when times are really hard because you're a human and really... It's one of the best parts about being a human being, I think. This episode is a conversation with Susan Murray, a photographer and artist using cyanotype in the Boston area of Massachusetts in the United States. And I wanted to talk to Susan because, honestly, I didn't understand how she made her images. I usually work in photograms with organic materials even clothing sometimes, or using wet cyanotype. Her work is very ethereal and beautiful and clear and crisp. I wanted to understand how she makes her work. I learned a lot about letting things be, taking it easy, keeping it light, as she says. Enjoy. I'm Susan Murray, and I'm a Boston, Massachusetts-based artist. Um, I live in the Boston area. I grew up uh, in Massachusetts, and um, I work in cyanotype photography. I've been a photographer for over 40 years, and I've worked in different kinds of photography. For a long time, I did hand-colored photographs on black and white photos that I made in my dark room, done color photography. 
And I sort of arrived at cyanotype about 17, 18 years ago. Uh, I saw an article in a magazine, a cooking magazine about um, cyanotype. A, a restaurant had covered an entire wall of these incredible botanical cyanotypes. And I thought, this is really cool. I want to try that. So I tried it. And, you know, as it happens with cyanotype for many people, you, you really get hooked. It's, you, you can instantly see, get a result, and then you want to like keep trying it. And I was using plants and leaves and flowers and um, sort of the old traditional uh, cyanotype making, um, which gives you just incredible like, results and it's really fun to do. And then I just sort of kept taking it further and really made it into an art practice and sort of transitioned over to using negatives, um, taking photographs of everything. Uh, all, uh, I, you know, still a lot of botanical elements, but I have other elements in there as well. And so I just, you know, I photograph all of those elements and I have just a huge archive of negatives that I, I can use them over and over. And, um, you know, that's basically it. And I'm still doing it. I don't see an end in sight. It just, it's a fascinating process and you never know exactly what you're going to get. And so sometimes reveals really beautiful results and um, kind of just keeps me in it. So how, how have you developed that style that you're using? Really, it was one of those moments where I was just looking at, I was sitting at a table in my dining room, which is where I used to work before I had the studio. And I was looking up at a piece I had on the wall that was, you know, actual, a photogram, actual plants on, on the cyanotype paper. And I was like, it, it just like occurred to me looking at it that, if, that I wanted to like, have a different scale of some of the flowers. And then I was like, well, how am I gonna do that? And then I was like, wait a minute. Cause I wanted to create some depth and also some surreal like sort of look, like make it more like that. And, and I was like, wait a minute, I can photograph like anything I want, <laughs> any flower. And I, I was already familiar with, um, I've been working on computers, you know, Macintosh since it came out, like seriously. And also Photoshop and I've been using uh, I had been using transparencies for other things um, in my inkjet printer. And I realized I could create my own negatives and work with those images on the cyanotype paper and do whatever scale I wanted. So it was just that kind of like epiphany moment, like, oh, <laughs> it almost felt a little like, why didn't I think, why haven't I thought of that before? But it just occurred to me at that moment, um, you know, just really kind of a reverie moment, like staring off. So. That's how I, and then I started and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And just, it was just really fun to like play with the space in that way. Um, you know, I gotta say, I don't have a lot of formal training in visual art. I, my training was in theater and, um, and I was somewhat in performance, but also in the directing side, but we were all always required to take, you know, classes in every aspect of theater. And so I did take design class and I would go off into other departments like the art department and I took drawing and, um, you know, sculpture, none of which I was any good at at all. Like very challenging for me to do those things, but I always wanted to, you know, kind of expand my skills and knowledge and just like try different things. I always was interested in visual art, but I couldn't place myself there because of, 
because drawing is not, I, think, I feel like you really need to have that foundation in drawing. Um, and I just really struggle with drawing and um, didn't enjoy it actually, <laughs> you know? Um, so I never really saw myself in visual art in that way, but I've, I've changed, I, I, now I understand that that's not necessarily the way that you have to do visual art. And so um, anyway, my training is not much. And so, but I have done photography for a long time. I do understand negative space and space and shadow and light. And um, those are the elements that I work with a lot in, in my work. So that made it like even more representational, you know, actual photos of plants, flowers, different objects, architectural details. Um, I do uh, my sort of other job here is I work as a realtor in the Boston area. And so I see a lot of, we have all kinds of architecture here, a lot of older architecture. And sometimes I see a really cool architectural element and I'll photograph it. So I have, a, you know, I have some source material there with my other job. And um, it's just been kind of cool that I have worked in some of those like windows or doorways or, you know, those kind of portal kind of things that are so really fun to work with. And, um, you know, and I just like, just like cool objects, like photographs, some teacups, I'm looking at them right now, you know, some, uh, a glass, like a wine glass and some saucers, like just antique kind of things. And I photograph them all. Like I just, um, sometimes I just go to an antique store and I photograph stuff, you know. The way I work is I gather all these images that are just like interesting to me. I just think they're cool. Like right now I'm working with a sailboat, which is really, um, I, I took a photograph of a toy sailboat that was in a vacation house I was in. And I've been using that motif and I just find it so, um, it's just so like romantic. I mean, not in a love way, but like, just, just this romance about the, the ocean and sailing and, I'm not a sailor, I have no sea legs. It's sort of definitely like fantasy for me, um, but also the Atlantic Ocean. My family's very rooted in <clears throat> New England and then Great Britain countries, Ireland mostly, and then maritime Canada. So I think my family has the sole connection to, I don't know for sure, but I, I don't know a lot about my family history, but um, the Atlantic Ocean is like, I, you know, if I have a choice, I always go to the you know seaside. I always go down the Cape, mostly. Um, I just love being by the ocean. So that has that draw for me. And I think, you know, so I just I really work sort of. I have all these ar this archive of images that I just like, um, and I haven't done a like with my pieces. I don't do a lot of like forethought really beyond sort of collecting the images. And then I have this whole archive and I get my paper ready, it's coded, it's dried overnight. And then I come in and I pick out the images that I wanna work with that day. Um, sometimes I have a new image I'm excited to use. I get some little board with all the, the old ones that I have. <laughs> so I know I'm gonna work with this picture of a deer. It was another like object I took a picture of. Um, this statue in a in an antique store. I thought that would be a really cool image in a, in a in a picture. So so then I just work with those images and I create the piece. So that's kind of the fun sort of 
creative part, you know, um, composing everything on the paper. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way, because that's how cyanotype is. It's so much shadow and light that sometimes you can't always see it. Um, you can take a photo, and I've done this when I'm, I've worked on a commission and arrange all the negatives and take a photo and then you can like invert it in Photoshop and then make it blue and it kind of looks like what the cyanotype's gonna look like, look sort of. And then you can get an idea of the composition and it's something you might have to move that's better. Um, but I don't tend to always do that. Sometimes I just arrange and get it under the light. I use a, um, uh, oh, I took it down. <laughs> I use a grow light here in the studio. I don't go out in the sun. It's just, I, I don't have to go down the stairs or down the elevator with this huge, our setups are pretty big. I make large pieces, large work most of the time, about 45 inches, or these are 30 inches. Um, and anyway, so I use a grow light. Um, so once it's, I compose it, then I put it under the light and for however long it needs to be under. And we can talk about that later. So I work really from just my like emotions of the day. And I may not even be totally in touch with what those emotions are um, down to the last like little feeling, but um, you know, every day we're different. You know, our chemistry wake up and we've slept and our, you know, cells have been rejuvenated and we're, you know, every day we're different and different forces of life come at us in different ways and we respond to them. And so, you know, you bring that into the studio. And so I just let that kind of flow through me. And maybe that's my theater training too. Like you, you get to a point where you're letting, once you've learned your lines and you're blocking and you've got your costume on, you can let it like work through you like that playwright's words. Um, you find ways to connect with them. And so I feel like that skill comes into play with my work actually, which is something I just recently took a class and it's something that that class made me think about because people mentioned that, you know, like I'm moving a lot when I do the work because they're big pieces and I want to create these immersive works so that when you stand in front of it, the blue really draws you in and then you see these objects and you, I just love to hear what people feel about the work and what they think. And some people really relate to it very, very like closely. It's really amazing. It's like, forming a new friend, you know, you're understanding each other on a different level. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so mostly I'm working intuitively and from feelings and emotions and just kind of let myself do that. I love the beauty of life. I, you know, it, it, it's, it definitely sustains me and um, it's very healing and very, you know, it's the good things of life really. <laughs> and you know, I do work with gravity. Like I'm always, I'm often like wanting things to be falling. Like there's a base at the top and then stuff is falling from it. And definitely without, it's like a free fall, but not a scary one. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I do look for movement. And so um, most of the time, I recently did a quadrant. Um, a couple of pieces with, with like quadrants and those are definitely not falling and they're not, they're, they're more like, you know, in place kind of thing. It's sort of an interesting exercise. Are you working with a lot of different cutout negatives or are you assembling that in Photoshop? So I'm, 
I'm working with cutout. Um, so each piece is unique and not, to, I can never reproduce it. I've tried to reproduce some pieces that I've sold and I'm like, oh, that was a good thing. I'm going to try to do that again. I, and actually it's really hard. A cyanotype is hard to do that. Like everybody knows what's a cyanotype. I have done a series, but it's, it, you, you end up throwing away a lot of paper. <laughs> it is hard to reproduce these things because of the size. I'd have to create enormous negatives um to make the same setup again or the same like co composition again and I, I simply can't afford that i have a printer in my studio we can go over that and that makes um negatives up to 19 by like 13. um and, but if i wanted to go like large enough like 45 by 31 inches like i'd have to pay someone making me a negative it would be really prohibitive and also i don't want i kind of don't want to make the same piece over and over anyway. So I have these individually cut out negatives, uh, many, many, many of them, and I just can move them around whoever I want. Are you using lots of different kinds of paper or do you have a favorite that you would like to use over and over? I, I yeah, when I first started, I tried lots of different paper without even like looking into like if they would be good or not. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I've settled on, uh, watercolor papers are always a safe bet for sure. Um, but I have settled on using Arches Patine, which is like my favorite paper. It has the best tonal range for me of all the paper. And also the blue that you get is really that Prussian blue. There's enough green in it. And, well, enough, it produces enough green. It's funny how the papers um, use the same chemistry with different papers, you get a different blue. Um, so there's something with the chemistry of the paper, I guess. Um, so the arches platine is made for this process and other, um, you know, handmade processes. And, and by and large, it, it uh, you know, the quality is there. I've had a couple of times where there was something wrong with the paper. And when I brush it on, it like instantly absorbed to the other side which is not how it normally behaves. It pretty much stays on that one side. You can brush it smoothly. And so that would like make it so I would use up an enormous amount of, and then um, really, really hard to wash it all out because it's absorbed into the fibers. Like um, it definitely is a flaw. Like something was wrong with the manufacturing. So I had to like kind of go off it for a while. And I was so desperate. I was like, oh my God, Because no, no other papers really give you that that same tonal range or color, um, not to my, not for what I want to do, but I started using some other papers that are made for this process too. This Revere Platinum, which is a paper you can use. Um, and I'm using, I forget the name of it. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I've used, um, I also use this paper, Reeve de Lin. Um, it's uh, has linen in it and it, really produces a kind of a dull Prussian blue. It's really kind of cool. And like that one over there with all the color is actually that. And it has a great texture, beautiful texture. Um, and it's a heavy, I try, tend to work with heavier paper so they don't have to worry about um, stuff ripping and cause you know, sometimes when you're washing paper, most of these hold up fine. Um, I also work sometimes with Gampy paper, which is up here in the, in the rafters. These pieces, oh, oh there it is. Um, 
And that scampi is like a translucent um, paper that when it gets wet, it falls apart. So what I do is, and I wanted them to be translucent for this project that's up there. Um, and it produces a beautiful blue too. Um, but I just, I process them on a piece of plexiglass as a support, and then just use like a cup and like slowly pour the water over to wash them. So it takes a while, you know, not too long, but you have to, I just like, and you have to kind of hold it too, because otherwise it, it slips down <laughs> from the weight of the water. So it's a little tricky to process, but I think I've got it down. Um, it's worth it. Um, mulberry paper is the same. It's, it's thicker, but it absorbs everything right away and um, will start to fall apart. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really lightweight. It's not as light as the Gampy. Definitely has more body to it. It has like a linen um, kind of, sur it does have a surface too that's a textured surface that I love. And it's just worth the aggravation. <laughs> it's not an aggravation, but it, it's more challenging to wash for sure. Not so bad coating. I just do it on the table. And then, um, oh no, I do it on plexiglass. Your images, everything is just so clear. And I think with, you know, photograms and stuff, we're used to seeing white and blue, but yours, you have this um, gradient and these lovely tones, you know? Um, so that's, yeah, they're just, they have their own very unique look to them. Thank you. Yeah, that's my goal is to get, you know, as a photographer, you want, you want to get like, at least most of those elements to be what we call a good photograph, which has like good tonal range and clarity and, you know, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Um, I don't always get it. Sometimes, you know, some things get exposed and other things, because they've all been shot in different conditions and I don't always have consistency in all my negatives. So sometimes some are lighter than others, but I just, I just roll with it. If I like the piece like all together, I'll just, I'll be okay with those things that aren't perfect. And so what's your method of coding? Do you have the same method every time? I have your nice um, hot brushes with goat, they have this really soft goat hair and I have different sizes. And um, I normally, um, sometimes I just pour solution right on the paper and I just you know, brush it around. Um, sometimes I put it into a bowl and then go dip the brush in and go, go that way. Um, uh, but that, you know, sort of a basic uh, coding thing. The way I, when I teach, I teach people to do it that way too. Uh, I don't use a rod. My, my pieces are too big for that. I'd have to have a huge <laughs> glass rod. Um, it's not necessary for what I do. I like the brush marks. I like that sometimes it's just not completely covered and some paper like will absorb more than others and, and the brush strokes will stop, you know, and it's not as smooth. I kind of like that. I like that that looks like somebody had their hand in it. So, um, and I, you know, just for me and my own peace of mind, I don't want to, I don't like, like feeling too fussy about things or like fidgety or like fiddly things. Like I've, and this is like with age mostly, like I've just learned to like let go and just like coat really well, like a coat in different directions, like across, down, and then diagonally. And I want to get like a really lot, a lot covered so I get that blue. But if, but if some spots have been missed because it's just a textured paper or something, that actually adds like this great character, I think. 
and I'm willing to let go of total perfection every time. It's too stressful. <laughs> I don't like stress. <laughs> and, 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 you know, beautiful things come out of it. And people re react to it and respond to it positively. You know, I think something's too perfect. It doesn't leave any room for somebody to like be invited in, in a way. Um, I don't, that's just my... I mean, but then you think of Michelangelo's statues and they were pretty perfect, so I don't know. <laughs> but they were often, sometimes they were unfinished around the edges, so, you know. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Michelangelo, please. <laughs> Let's make that clear, you know what I mean? We have icons that, you know, we've been shown to emulate, but yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. I think people do like to feel that there's not a lot of, space between them and the artists like although I can tell that you know she she did a brushstroke there's she's actually put her hand onto that piece you know people like to be connected to the actual artist I think you know some people I mean not everybody I mean this in this in this art there's pieces of art for everybody out there but this is this is how I do it and it just like I said I don't like to feel the stress of like trying to make something perfect it's because it's too hard it's just you know you know and this this and cyanotype lends itself to this and and you have to be open to it not you you're not knowing completely how it's going to turn out that process isn't for everybody yeah and i'm really at, at ease with that for sure and what about your connection to like the history of cyanotype like do you think about anna atkins or you know the history of the process? I didn't know anything about the history um, for a while. And then I just, I started like Googling, like cyanotype and learning more about it. And I did learn about Anna Atkins. And um, I actually, eventually I, there was a, an exhibit of her work at the New York Public Library. And there's this whole backstory about how they acquired her work. They tried to uh, by the, she did she put all her work in these volumes, you know, these books, and uh, she's one of the first people to do something like that too. And they missed out on like one of those, and there's not many. And they, I can't remember what happened, but they missed out on it. And then they they actually got another chance to get another one, and they got it. And um, so that was in the show. And also, she was a watercolorist, and those were in the show, and um, it was just incredible. And so I definitely learned more about her from. I went to New York and saw that show and I bought the book that comes with that, came with that show. It's a big book and it's got great plates of all her cyanotypes. And, um, you, know, you know, I've learned more about her. When I teach the class, I do a little bit of history. You know, she, her father was friends with the scientists who invented um, cyanotype. And so she had this connection to him and was really one of the first practitioners. And, um, Definitely took it to, like I said, she was a watercolorist, so she was already an artist and took it to like a more artistic level, even though she was work, like practicing as a botanist, which back then women, it was the only science women were allowed to do. Uh, so that's what she did. And because her, her whole sphere was science. I think her dad was a scientist, John Herschel, who invented cyanotype, was credited with that, and he basically did invent it. Um, kind of working on, as science is, working on 
the discoveries of other scientists, um, maybe like you know years and years before him, but he really was the one who kind of put it all together. And um, so she was in the sphere of scientists, and so science was definitely like her thing. And so she was making this record, of, you know, botany. Um, and uh, but she did it in such an artful way that that it's you know is endured and is you know an inspiration for a lot of cyanotype artists. Yeah, aren't we lucky that she was in the, they were in that circle of people together. <laughs> it's a real gift. Yes, exactly. Exactly, you know, and then other people did it too, but then it fell out of favor. You know, I mean, it was used as blueprint for, our, you know, architecture and as a record keeping method, um, but it fell out of favor really as photography, as other kinds of photography came in, but then artists picked it up again. I think in like the 60s or 70s. You mentioned your classes. I am teaching, generally my classes are almost all women, women or women identifying um, people and different ages. I've had mother, daughter, like a young you know, daughter and a mother came one time. Um, people from all different, um, you know, backgrounds, some are artists and have dabbled in photography or are like our artists and, and photographers for sure. Um, um, but many aren't and they just, it's like a thing they want to try, which is a perfect, you know, thing to try because you have success like pretty much right away. And it's a really fun, like, um, we have really fun sessions, you know, and, and it's, we're out, I do them outside generally. We work in like smaller and we can work outside and they're inside and then outside. And I teach the whole thing, like how to coat the paper. They get a kit to take home. They get like a piece of a little piece of plexiglass and paper and a brush. And, um, and, um, and so I teach them the whole thing. We just have a great time. And then we go outside and it's just really fun. And, um, and um, I've been not doing that uh, because of COVID. <laughs> Uh, being indoors, you know, with people for a while is that part of it wasn't going to work. So we haven't gotten back to that, but I've been doing one-on-one -on -one in my studio. I'm wearing a mask and I open the window. We use the grow light instead of the sun. Um, that's been really fun too. Uh, different kind of class, you know. And I did, I did an online class. Uh, I designed this class and I like put tape down all over my studio where I was going to like put my laptop so they could see me and I had everything set up. Uh, <laughs> choreographed and um, we did this two-hour class and people joined from all over Canada and um, different parts of the United States and it was really fun it was really like it, it, we I, we did it you know it was definitely two hours of like you know non-stop but I had it all like like I said choreographed out and I have done some online things before so I had an idea and um it, it was it was really it was fun to do and I recorded it and and it's actually available for people to you know you know pay a small amount and then they can watch it. It's really brave. Well, you know, it's like yeah, it's like well, it's kind of like you know, uh, real estate is unpredictable and art world is also unpredictable. But this is where I put myself, and um, so it's just you know, it was, I have these skills, so it's a way to make some income, really, you know. Um, and um, and I've done them through different 
institutions and venues. And I thought, I might as well just do it myself and get all the money. I mean, I'm always happy to do it like with the Photographic Resource Center, I did one here, a demo, and that was really nice. And, and I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, they're able to gather, like it took me a lot of like Instagram, like marketing to get my, you know, group. Of, I think I had 10, 10 people, maybe, maybe a few more. And um, it took a lot of marketing, you know, on Instagram to do that, like consistent, like, you know, the rule is like people have to see your marketing over and over and over before it like really sinks in. Um, and so these institutions, these different like organizations like, like the Photographic Resource Center um, have that built in already. So they, they're able to do that and they get, they get the audience. They already have a mailing list there, you know. So doing it on my own, I had to really like <laughs> go get those people. <laughs> Um, but anyways, for, yeah, I, lo I love teaching. I, lo I love my in-person workshops that we did, and I'm looking forward to doing them again. I might do some this summer. And what about your art? What about your personal practice? Like, what are some things that you would like to achieve in the next couple of years with your work? Well, uh, yeah, so um, I am represented by a gallery here in Boston, which is, you know, uh, I love the gallery. It's the Abigail Ogilvy Gallery, and it's down in the Arts District in Boston. It's a really nice gallery, run by a terrific woman, um, uh, and um, and her assistants are women. So it, it it's I mean it's so I mean I like men too. It's not it's not it's not that. It's just there's something about the 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 way that she runs it that I really like and. She really lets me do whatever I want. Like she decided she liked my work and invited me to be in the gallery and that's all she needed. Like I can just, there's never any directive, like make this kind of thing again, like this so like nothing like that. So um, I got, I'm in a show coming up, a summer show um, with some of the other artists in, in the gallery. They're all painters <laughs> and I'm, you know, photography really, you know, I'm a photographer. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that's gonna, how they're gonna pull that together. Um, and so I'm making some new work for that. because like, I really want, with Instagram and showing you work so much, I feel like I want people to be like, you know, like seeing something fresh, you know, and, and it'll be fun too. Um, probably working with some of the same motifs I've been working with, I'm not done with like some of them, but, um, and they're gonna be large pieces also and um, unframed, like they're gonna be in a, some kind of hangar kind of situation. Um, so I got that coming up and I gotta get to work on it, so bye, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna be staying here um, in this studio. You know, your space kind of does dictate like what you can make. <clears throat> and I tend to work large and so I need you know, big enough space. Like I can't go back to where I was working before, which was my bedroom. Um, I made work like you sometimes you do what you have to do and I used every part of the space that I had but it was getting really like not I couldn't keep going like that like I didn't have the storage you know so that's that practical aspect affects what you make like I've been able like I said here to like go up high and like use the ceiling and create work that like floats above um and I never thought to do that until I got here. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 
I don't see me doing anything different. I'm adding more color. I'm working with paint more. I should take a painting class because I, or a color class or something because I don't know what I'm doing. I just choose whatever I want to put on there and I put it on there. <laughs> and I don't think it's, I think I, you know, it could be a little more refined, you know, and, and more like, like understand color combinations better, that kind of thing. Um, I think it would be fun to do that. Um, so yeah, I am adding color and some more elements. I have a piece I added like pieces of like vintage wallpaper to it, like actual like glued wallpaper on. Um, I'm getting, I like doing that. I glued some gampy pieces and some linen. I work on linen sometimes and um, <clears throat> make really large like tapestry kind of things on linen. And sometimes I have, you know, one that doesn't really work out, which is always a bummer because <laughs> those are a lot of, lot of prep work. Those are a lot and um, expensive. It's a lot of solutions. The time, like getting, you know, like figuring out like how to get that stuff on there. Do you dunk it in? Like last time I tried brushing it on, which actually went really well. It was easier than like trying like, you know, the drying in a dark place. Like, so I'm here late at night, like doing all this. So, you know, yeah. And then like, you know, it's far away. It's on the floor because it's so big and it's far away from the source of light. And, and then one time I just didn't, I didn't have, I didn't do it long enough. And I was like, oh, no. some of them came out, some of the images, so I saved them. And I cut, you know, I saved them for whatever. And so I, I have attached some linen pieces onto like paper with glue, just like kind of like just, you know, expanding the material, materiality part of it, like um, using different materials. And I have one piece I just, that one with the color over there that I I used it. It was a piece that didn't come out. I was gonna throw it away. And I folded it up to throw it away. And then for some reason it like opened up on its own. I looked at it and it had created these like white creases. So it looked like all these um, squares or rectangles. And I was like, well, that looks really kind of cool. And then I just decided to use it as like a piece that I would do whatever I felt like doing to it without any agenda at all, without thinking, because when you're represented in a gallery, you're thinking, I want to make sure I have a body of work that they can, they have collectors that ask to see things, you know, like I want to have a body of work that we can draw on and make sure I've got enough of that, you know, that, and then I can play around with lots of other things that, uh, you know, doesn't matter if anybody ever wants it, right? It's just for fun. And to also like break up, break up like making the cyanotypes because it's sort of like, it's just, the process is the same over and over, you know, pretty much the basic process. And so just to do something different, um, and I have different kinds of paint here. I just like did lots of different things to that and I ended up gluing, drawing, <clears throat> just making marks, writing. It's got acrylic, it's got ink, it's got pencil, it's got watercolor. <laughs> uh, luckily that paper can stand up to it. But I, then I was like, then people would came in and like, I love that. And somebody used it in their studio for a photo shoot. They said, can I even use that? Like in the background, I'm like, okay. And now I'm like, you know what? So I signed it. 
<laughs> signed it and it's on the wall and maybe it's a piece like maybe it's the thing i'll do more of in the future um to answer your question in a long roundabout way uh it's pretty much like I, I have i do keep like on my phone in my notes section i do like if i get an idea i write i put them in there i have a whole bunch of, i gotta go revisit that because i can't remember what they are um <laughs> but i you know sometimes i think of something watch a lot of a film and you know a lot of movies and um sometimes i'll see something that interests me like an image you know i'll grab it and i look at paintings i look at uh all different kinds of like these floating pieces are actually women sitting drinking coffee reading the paper and they come i was influenced by the paintings of richard diebenkorn who's a california painter mid-century painter and he's got all these like drawings and paintings of his wife and like just like you know chilling and i did this really struck me in our very busy, you know, capitalist world of like achievement and stuff, it's just like sitting with your cup of coffee and doing nothing. And I just like that idea. And um, so I made these pieces and that was like influence from, you know, his work. And so I do look at lots of artwork, um, paintings, photography, film. Um, I try to look at artwork that I may not always that i'm not drawn to initially but i know like this person's famous like for the and i'll i just look at a lot of things a lot on, online i do invest in some books i have books i look at sculptors and you never know like how it's going to influence you or inspire you in some way especially if you feel like oh i'm kind of bored like with all these flowers you know i'm like you know and then i got this book, it's called Flower, and it's like all artwork around flowers. It's photography and painting and sculpture and fabric. It's like an amazing book. And it like reignites that like, yeah, I'm in this tradition, you know, of like honoring, the, you know, the flowers of the world, <laughs> the floral world. So, so I just sort of, in, in the way that I work, it's sort of also in the way that I, keep my practice moving. I kind of go with the flow and go with whatever is entering into my world and kind of thing. Um, I don't have any grand plans. I mean, the most immediate thing is that show I've got to get ready for. Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to be in another show in the fall, um, but I think that's going to be work that's already made. Um, I do enter into juried shows uh you know periodically i'm very careful now about how i do that you can spend a lot of money <laughs> you know um so um you know sometimes i get in sometimes i don't um it's not normal kind of thing um that's about it for now really <clears throat> Just, uh, yeah, yeah you know i'm older uh person i'm not i'm not retired yet but i'm at, at that age and i'll never retire i mean I'm, that's not my you know but um my considerations are that that also like figures into how, my days and how i work and you know where do i see myself <laughs> in the near future like, that is a big question like you know um so i mean 
I would love to have a work live studio space and we do have those here in the Boston area. Like there are artists run like buildings and you get on a, their huge waiting list. And I'm on a long waiting list for one of those in Boston. I would really love to live in one of those and have my studio right there. <clears throat> right now I live in an apartment and then I drive here and it's fine. Like I, I, I don't mind doing it, but you know, I'm in traffic and some mornings I don't want to rush over here, but I really feel like, oh, I've got to get going. I want to make all this stuff. If I just woke up and rolled out, <laughs> that looks very attractive to me now. I think at my age, I think having everything that you need right there is your home and your studio. That would suit me a lot. And, and you're also being a community of artists, you know, that seems, you know, ideal to me, actually, at this point. So, so who are the the artists working with cyanotype that you look at? I do follow a lot of different people. There's a woman in um, England, uh, Angela Chalmers, and she does, like the first work I saw of hers was this dress. She made this, she cyanotyped, I think it's cloth, not paper. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's cloth. And she like made this Victorian, it's like what Anna Atkins were worn like that kind of dress, but it's all cyanotype. And it was, it's incredible. I'll send, I'll send it to you, I'll send a link. And I was like, wow, this is like amazing, like amount of work and, uh, you know, what a project. And it was in this um, chapel, it was like lit, like it was just like a stunning uh, piece. And she does all kinds of cyanotype work and we've sort of become like Instagram friends, you know, and, um, you know, I follow everything she does. And <clears throat> um, there's an artist named Megan, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name, R R Rippenhoff. She does amazing work around nature, but they're not representational at all. She just uses the um, material uh, you know, like at the cyanotype coated paper, she'll put in the rain or she'll put by the edge of the ocean, you know, and does all this, creates this impression, you know, it's a record of that happening at that time. And she does it, she did it, I think, first. Like really, I, I never saw anybody else do it. Now other people, some, you know, do try it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to try. It's very like, you know, elemental. Um, and she's doing them really large and creating these like, and they look like waves and like on the ocean. It's really just amazing work. And her most recent work is ice. And she's like letting water freeze on, she just brings the paper outside, I guess, um, for these two. So these impressions of like ice um, crystals on there, <laughs> really beautiful. Uh, her work's just so, Amazing. Uh, I just want to see what she's going to do. You know. Thank you for being so open with your, you know, like your space and your practice and your inspirations. Because I feel like what you said before about it, um, kind of just coming through you when you're making a work. It seems like you you take things in without judgment, and you know, and you just like learn all the time. It's what I'm hearing, and then that just kind of that comes through. And um, I think that's why I was really drawn to your pieces. You know, I think 
for me, like part of that is because I'm a, I'm a parent and, you know, you grow along with your children. You know, she's an adult now. She's an artist. She's an exceptional artist and um, has done some really, really interesting things. She actually did her thesis for undergrad was all around like her New Zealand family and the idea of like being, you know, her dad's been living here in the States for a long time and is very close to his family. And to have that like space, you know, that distance, time, time zone, like, and, and miles away from, you know, your family. Um, and she made it into this like thesis project. It wasn't just an exhibit. She also like did a theater, a whole theater, immersive theater piece about it. It was incredible. Um, she's quite an artist and very like inspires me actually a lot and keeps me current in a lot of ways. And, um, <clears throat> um, you know, he helps me doing my studio. Like she's gonna help me tomorrow in open studios. It was so really, really helpful to have somebody else here. And, um, but I can't, you know, I can't, definitely her influence and the influence of being a parent, you know, you kind of have to, you have to be open to somebody else's experience that's the way I want to do parenting and not like impose so much as if you can, if you can manage it, you know, it's hard balance, but I think that it definitely informs my artistic practice for sure. For sure. You know, try to, try to keep it light. 